Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's January the 19th, 2021. Uh, Countries beginning with A seem to be a feature of this week. Yesterday, we talked about a small country in the southeastern part of Europe called um, Albania. Most of you probably, you may have heard of the, the country. You won't have been there. Um, it's a remarkable country, very warlike country. Uh, my guest was uh, a professor of political philosophy, of all things, who grew up in Albania uh, Leah Upi, um, the book was Free, A Child and a Country at the End of History. Uh, the book was very much, I think, about overcoming fear, her fear, her family's fear, and the descent into civil war in post-communist Albania. Today, we're talking about another country beginning with A, another country with a great history of violence, Afghanistan, most of you are probably a little bit more familiar with Afghanistan than Albania because of, of course, America's tragic involvement in the country over the last 20 years in a military sense. Um, here we have um, a map of, for people watching, a map of Afghanistan in, in, in Central Asia. It's a remarkable country, very hilly, very uh, dramatic, very violent country. Uh, and my guest today, like Leah Upi, although very different, um, I think has taken lessons from his upbringing in Afghanistan to bring wisdom to America. He's not a professor of political philosophy, though. He's a San Francisco-based trainer, uh, entrepreneur, innovator. His name is Tarek Azim. He has a new book out. It's his first book. It just came out last week on January 11th. It's called Empower, Conquering the Disease of Fear. And as I said, it's very much rooted in his childhood experiences in Afghanistan. And I'm thrilled that Tarek Azim is joining us uh, from San Francisco, maybe a couple of miles from where I'm speaking. Tarek, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, tell me a little bit about your upbringing in Afghanistan, your experience of Afghanistan, and why in some ways it drives the message, not just of your book, uh, Empower, but of your life. Well, my, uh, my upbringing in Afghanistan um, actually began um, as, as, as a young adult. I, my family left Afghanistan um, in 79 um, as refugees to, to Germany and hopefully to the U.S. Well, I was born in Germany. Um, so I came to the U.S. As a, as a, under our refugee program, uh, being born in Germany. And I, I never really got to experience life in Afghanistan um, until 2004, when I actually moved, moved there for the first time um, and spent um, you know, a good four and a half years uh, as, as Afghanistan being my residence. But um, I don't think uh, you know, our home um, and, 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 and culture and activity uh, was any different than than uh, not living in Afghanistan, given, you know... So you brought uh, Afghanistan. I, mean, I have a couple of wonderful photos, actually, of your parents. Here you are as a young child uh, with your father, Syed. Um, and here is um, a remarkable picture of your mother, um, Mina, uh, smoking, enjoying, for people not able to watch this, 
this is from um, Tarek's uh, own album. Uh, his mother Mina enjoying a smoke in the Kunar province of Afghanistan. It's a picture of a woman with a cigarette and a rifle, and it kind of reminds me actually of um, uh, of uh, Leah Upi's mother, another fearless woman, so fearless indeed in Al- Albania that um, uh, she would carry a knife around with her everywhere she went, and and, and was not shy to use it on any. Uh, men who behaved uh, inappropriately. Um, what did your parents, uh, Tarek, teach you, your mother and your father, both clearly remarkable people, about overcoming fear? Well, you know, they taught me so much about my own family history. You know, both of my, my grandfathers were extremely noble figures and live in the history books of our country. Um, my you know, maternal grandfather, General Wally, was the first commanding jet fighter and jet pilot in the history of Afghanistan who brought the, the, the MiG-21s uh, to Afghanistan and um, had, a, had a heavy hand in the creation of the Bagram Air Force Base, um, which was the big American hub. And my paternal grandfather, uh, Shal Pocha, um, was the leader of the Kunar province uh, and led a, 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 a big uh, war between Afghanistan and, and Pakistan for the freedom of the folks of, of Pashtunistan without an ounce of blood being spilled, all through the power of language and, 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 and words. And, um, you know, when I learned about Afghanistan, I would learn about our family legacy. And our family legacy was primarily about its responsibility to serving humanity. Um, so majority of our life uh, coming up in the U.S., I, I never had the intention of being in the U.S. forever, right? Our parents always thought we we're going back to Afghanistan any minute now. So we never had an opportunity to really establish, uh, uh, you know, a base here um, until late high school where I knew like, okay, this is home and we're really never going anywhere. Um, but there was a responsibility uh, that was always ingrained into our heads about um, our, our family and our family legacy, primarily my grandfather's. Um, so that really helped push and carry uh, a lot of my mission um, on, on, on trying to raise my flag uh, in the U.S. like my grandfather's had done in Afghanistan. Tarek, I don't want to fall into stereotypes, but probably what I'm about to say is rather <laughs> stereotypical. One always imagines because of Afghanistan's remarkable history. I'm just reading a, actually a, a biography of Winston Churchill. And the British, of course, tried to colonize Afghanistan in the 19th century unsuccessfully. The Russians tried to conquer it in the 20th century unsuccessfully. The Americans tried to conquer it in the 21st century unsuccessfully. The stereotype is of the Afghan warrior as fearless. Is there some truth to this or is this sort of a, uh, an or, or oriental conception? Are we trivializing what it's like to be an Afghan? Um, no, I, I do think there's this, 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 this level of, of fearlessness. And, and let's not also forget, there was Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan prior to that who tried to do the same. And um, I, I wouldn't say there's this, um, th- th- that, that's incorrect. I think the fearlessness comes from the conviction of, of those generations of, of, of land protectors who had a, a very strong relationship with belief and hope and faith. Um, so the fearlessness came from that, it was a surrender to something much greater than man. And that's what the fight was always for. What about the role of religion, Tarek? Um, of course, the recent wars in Afghanistan have had a strong religious component. The Taliban is a religious movement. The reaction against the Russians and the British was driven, I think, by Islam. What is the role of Islam 
and fearlessness in Afghanistan, or is that a, an oversimplification? I think that's an oversimplification a bit because I, I think a lot of, again, from my experiences in time in Afghanistan, I really haven't seen, um, I really haven't seen Islam, Islam exist um, because of uh, the mix of, of and, and the lack of education in that country for several years now, right? In the last 30 to 40 years, since 79 on, Afghanistan has been completely frozen of any form of education, government, you know, uh, faith and religion. Um, all of it. It's been a, it's been a, it's been three or four generations of, of almost savages born who only see, you know, how they define fight and war and so on be what exists in regards to Islam uh, existing. Uh, and from what I've learned, you know, from, from the few scholars I've been blessed to, to, to learn from and study under um, what's happening in Afghanistan isn't necessarily the, uh, the, the, the Islam um, that, that, that I've studied. Um, I, I do think they mix in-home culture and confuse that for, 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 for religion um, because of so much of what they're pushing and promoting and, and forcing on folks is almost, um, you know, kind of the opposite of what the, what the, what the, what the religion, um, what the religion teaches. Um, Tarek, we've done a number of shows actually on overcoming fear. We had the business writer John Hagel on the show last year, an old friend of mine, written a book about uh, the psychology, overcoming the psychology of fear. We also had the business writer Gaurav Batnagar on how to manage fear in the workplace. We live in particularly anxious times, and your interesting new book, Empower, Conquering the Disease of Fear, focuses not just on, not so much on war, although perhaps some of the lessons are derived from war, but um, fear in one's life. It, interestingly enough, the book came out of a sort of a, a very popular piece about you and your training facility uh, in ESPN uh, magazine by Paul Kicks a couple of years ago with the title Prepare for death. So tell me a little bit about what you've been up to in the US and how that experience resulted in this book. Yeah, look, a lot of my life has been about wanting to utilize the impact and the efficacy of sport and physical activity when it comes to honing in on key mental and emotional deficiencies. And I always see that there's a massive correlation behind the capabilities you do physically and why we don't apply those to the deficiencies we have mental deficiencies we have mentally and emotionally, which kind of led me into asking a lot of questions. And what I'd done is I'd formed this whole model in this process called game plans. And because of my background in, in, in professional sports uh, and in collegiate sports, both as a competitor and then a coach for years, uh, the assumption was that you know I'm, I'm i'm giving you a game plan around uh right. you have and i'm showing on the screen you have what you call empower arts empower flow stand empowered power yoga empower house game plan correct and the game plans are just a branded term for something i call an honest conversation and these honest conversations really led me to uh understand how folks actually define um fear and why i got so fascinated with fear was because that was the consistent theme amongst my, my, my teammates and client base. That, that and just works. to be clear, Tarek, um, because not everyone in our audience will know what you do, um, you run or you did run a, a training facility in San Francisco, particularly for professional athletes, although you work with politicians and, and, and other prominent uh, figures. Is that fair? 
A part of it, yes. A part of it was obviously all my athletes and, and, and all these professional athletes and world champion competitors throughout the National Football League, through the UFC, through Tour de France, uh, and so on. But the, the intention of my business was actually to, to, to utilize my platform to help lower the waterline and, and make my services and this perspective available to everybody and anybody. Um, from our corporate partnerships to individual clientele, it was a, it was a community um, in, a, in a space I built for for everybody and anybody um, to be able to be at an equal you know playing field with with a lot of these individuals who strive and and work for optimization. You opened this facility. It unfortunately was a casualty of COVID, but now you've taken the wisdom or what you perceive as the wisdom that you derive from this experience, you put it into the book, Empower, Conquering the Disease of Fear. Um, and you're also using it more broadly in terms of inspiring people. Do you think, Tarek, that we live in an age of anxiety? And how, why are we so anxious? Or why, particularly young people, why are they so anxious? Because everyone is seeking acceptance. And people want acceptance immediately. And I think a lot of these They want to be loved. They want to be admired. They want to be it, it, idolized. It could be. It could be. You know, everybody has their own def definition of what, what, what success means and what acceptance means. And I, I see that so much of it is obviously given to folks instantly, right? Thanks to the social media uh, platforms and, um, um, you know, current circumstances and situations of just almost aiding and giving to everything and anything anyone wants. And I think that we've kind of gotten away from individuals actually hurting to earn a feeling anymore. And I think when, when work is associated with, 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 I think when struggle is associated with the desires is when the anxiety and the depression and, 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 and a lot of the stuff kind of kicks in with this just generation. And again, I'm speaking from my experiences with, 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 with this generation that I, I've had. Do you have any kids of your own? But I assume you, you work a lot with young people anyway. Yeah, I do work with, with, with a lot of young people. Is, uh, is it a generational thing? My sense is that um, something has changed in a generational sense. And the, the, the teenagers and the 20-somethings these days, I'm not going to you know, talk about Generation Y or X because I get confused about which is which, but they seem to be particularly anxious. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's the various world historical crises, particularly of COVID. Maybe it's something else. It's, it's hard to figure out. Yeah, no, I don't think it's just them um, because I actually see this with older generations as well. You know, I see this with 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 communities in their fifties and sixties, um, almost in, in the same boat, right? Like in this need of this instant value and in, in, in gratification. Like I have an idea, it should be it should be embraced. I have a concept, it should be supported. Um, I see folks can't communicate much anymore, right? I, I don't think there's a the you talked about, uh, Tarek, honest conversation. I hope this is what we're having. Are you suggesting that most people don't have honest conversations these days? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, I only speak. Well, you sell yourself on an honest conversation, which means that there must be some value to that and that many conversations aren't honest. Possibly. Again, I, I speak to this in regards to my community, right? The folks I've had the privilege of working with and associating with and speaking to and speaking engagements and so on. Um, and th that's why there's been such a value for, for, for this book and, and in my perspective and philosophy. It's that uh, it, it kind of unveils truth and it actually shows that truth gives, gives freedom. And it, it's hard conversations, 
but they're, they're hard because they, they come with a very sweet reward, uh, which is a feeling um, I don't feel many uh, get to experience because they just are, are too scared of being judged. We don't want to be judged. You have this wonderful phrase, um, uh, Tarek, which is sort of intimately bound up with your brand. Prepare for your last breath. It's something you teach professional athletes. It's also something that came up in a talk you did recently uh, with McKinsey, uh, the business consultancy of all people, what, what's the significance of preparing for your uh, uh, prepare for your preparing for your last breath when it comes to overcoming fear? So Why been, is that so important? There's just been this massive consistency when I ask folks to define fear, and it's always the unknown, right? The fear of the unknown, and I ask what the ultimate unknown is, and 100% of the time. When I ask the question of what is the ultimate unknown and the worst thing that can happen, everybody's always responded with death. And my counter to that is that death isn't an unknown. It's the only guarantee. And if it's the only guarantee, why is it the last thing that we prepare for? And I think that if we be mindful and conscious that the only thing we're taking to our grave is a feeling, let's make everything about our existence about that feeling. How do we want to feel on our last breath? You know, that's why I'm trying to bring consciousness into reality a bit. And it really helps lower the waterline and bring perspective into, into consciousness and intentionality. So I think, you know, pre preparation uh, for death is primarily about contributing to the feeling you want to have on your last breath. Well, prepare for your last breath um, is one of the, 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 the key uh, messages in Tarek Azim's new book, Empower. Uh, I hope the audience is not preparing for its last breath, at least for another 40 minutes, because we're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back, talk more about some of the case studies in, in, in Tarek's uh, fascinating new book. So everyone, hold on. We'll be back in about 60 seconds. Hi, everyone. Andrew here again. I'm not sure if you're listening or watching or even reading about this Keenon show. I certainly hope you're enjoying it. But I wanted to remind you that there are many different ways you can use to enjoy my Keenon show. The first, of course, is by, in a very traditional way, subscribing to the audio-only podcast. You can do this um, using Apple or Spotify or CastBox or many of the other traditional uh, podcast distribution platforms. We're on all of them. And if you want to access uh, all the podcasts together, you can go to my LitHub page um, in their podcast section, which is dedicated to all the interviews. Uh, if you're into watching this, as opposed to simply listening, um, if you follow me on Twitter at AJ Keen, you can watch these shows live uh, and you can do the same um, if we're connected uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but LitHub is. And on their LitHub live page, you can watch these shows live as well. Um, in terms of uh, recorded videos, uh, not live, you can see all the shows on the LitHub YouTube page. So Whatever your preference, whatever your taste, whether it's video or audio or text, there's no excuse for not watching or listening to my show. Now, back to Keenon. We are talking with um, 
Tarek Azim, the author of Empower, a really interesting new book about, uh, that's him with his father, Overcoming Fear, Conquering the Disease of Fear. And the book is made up of a series of case studies. And Tarek, I was kind of intrigued. There's some quite controversial people in there. There's um, there's a chapter on uh, Tulsi Gabbard, the woman... Um, uh, the Hawaiian politician who ran for president, not a great friend of Hillary Clinton. Why did you choose to put Tulsi Gabbard as, as one of your case studies in the book? Uh, Tulsi's a very dear friend and teammate. And uh, her, her, her mission of what she wants to accomplish and do uh, as a woman in this country was something I was very, very inspired by, um, given you know, what comes with that and, and what she's up against and how hard she's fighting for what she believes in. Um, but also uh, being able to show such a strong person uh, in, in, in obviously a, a public position, uh, be able to expose and express um, the deficiencies that kind of prevent her from contentment and some of the fights she has internally um, that she has to deal with, but still go has, goes ahead and pursues um, fulfilling what a world championship to her looks like. Uh, I was extremely inspired by her. I still am to this day. And I also thought that she'd be a fantastic person uh, as an example of a public figure who is helping lower the waterline around the conversations around mental and emotional health. Yeah, I was intrigued by that as I showed the photo before of your mother, Mina, smoking a cigarette with a rifle. Um, you've done a lot of training of female uh, athletes. Um, here's a picture of you in 2007 training young female boxers in Afghanistan. Uh, the fate of women in Afghanistan, of course, is always in the news. Um, we've done a series of shows about that, given the Taliban. Um, when it comes to overcoming fear, is it different for men and women, or are we really talking about the same thing? I think we're talking about the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, it's not necessarily overcoming it more than it is embracing it and really understanding the responsibility of what do you think has. women do it in a sense better? Are they more naturally suited to um, accepting that we need to prepare for our last breath? Are they a little bit more realistic about that? Who's there? They can't last forever. I'm sorry, you, you, I was uh, answering your previous question. I, I, I think we, we, we mixed. Yeah, uh, go on. Sorry, I apologize for interrupting. Um, I, 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 what was your, your, your recent question, please? Uh, my recent question was perhaps women are a little bit more realistic that they can't live forever and that preparing for our last breath is uh, perhaps more comfortable for women than for men. No, I haven't seen that. I mean, I think anyone I've had the privilege of kind of coaching, talking to and, and, and kind of sharing this perspective with has been, you know, um, something undeniable. Right. So it's 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 not that there's uh, you know, it's not that people don't believe that they're 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 not going to, you know, die. Um, but folks have been pretty equally receptive to having a conversation around around, you know, the consciousness of that reality. Many of your clients and much of your work has been done in the NFL, the National Football League. Um, it's interesting. One of the chapters is on a man called uh, Jed York, who's the owner of the San Francisco 49ers, the professional football team in San Francisco. Uh, my wife is actually a uh, big 49er fan, season ticket holder. And I mentioned Jed York. And uh, what she said afterwards is not appropriate for 
this kind of family show. He's not a popular man, at least in San Francisco. Did you choose and do you like to find clients who are controversial, who aren't necessarily particularly liked, who struggle in their profiles publicly? Um, I think you know, the interesting thing I've, uh, I've, I've experienced, because a lot of my teammates, including myself, are all individuals that, that have you know, somewhat of, of, of that type of public uh, profile, and it's primarily because of, of, of honesty and transparency. Um, and I think that it's, 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 it's almost a shame that you know, so many of the f- folks I've, I've worked with uh, have this type of um, you know, persona given to them by the public. Uh, for being a transparent, honest, and direct uh, folk who is very, very comfortable with themselves and uh, are consistently seeking to understand themselves, therefore be be better understood. Um, so it's it's interesting to me because I don't hear many people of 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 character and intellect be be ones to judge folks they don't know. But so the what do I tell my wife about Jed York that he's actually not a bad guy? Well, what makes him a bad guy is my question. Well, her, and I, I'd have to get her on the show to express herself, but yeah. she and that's claims that he's mismanaged the team dramatically and that um, she also hates the stadium. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, but um, I think it's a fantastic stadium. <laughs> One of the best I've seen in, in, in my life in professional sports. And uh, and having a presence in the, in, in the Super Bowl and being a playoff team several times in the last several years also. They've never won it, though, under York. Uh, I'm sorry. You say was that last part again? Uh, they've they've never won the Super Bowl under York, have they? Not yet. I also thought of you, Tarek. Interestingly enough, there's a big story about a man, uh, Antonio Brown, who walked off dramatically from the Seattle Seahawks. I think it was from Seattle uh, Seahawks because he was unhappy with the team's management. What did that? particular narrative tell us about fear and professional athletes was he being perhaps too honest i don't know i mean i have never had the privilege of having a conversation with him to to be one to publicly make an assumption on on what the what the fight is in, in antonio um you know a lot of people have reached out uh to me if if I, we've connected or we've we've you know talked or what would i ever what would you uh, tell him though Derek, if, if, if you had the opportunity to advise him. I wouldn't tell him anything. I'd actually sit down and try to understand him first. And I'd ask him questions, really important questions about, you know, what is it that makes him feel so misunderstood? You know, does he understand that about himself? Uh, is he doing for himself what he wants people to do for him? And I would just listen. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell him anything uh, until I had an opportunity to really understand him. Uh, I, one of the photos I found of you from actually from that ESPN piece is from your gym with a, a quote from Mahatma Gandhi, one of the great champions of peace um, on the wall. True wealth is health, not pieces of gold and silver, Gandhi said. Uh, a lot of your clients, though, are uh, involved in one kind of violent sport or another. Another one, another of the case studies is Jake Shields, a, a mixed martial artist. Um, are you in any way uncomfortable with um, the business of violence, of, of fighting, or is this something that somehow naturally gravitates to your work and world? 
It's funny because folks who don't practice or respect art would call it violence, right? It, it definitely is 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 physical, um, and it 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 you know I, I, how we all define violence is also different, right? Um, I'm just very uh, interested in 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 the ultimate test of of, of will and grit and capability, um, you know, fast action, quick thinking chess, and the combat sports fulfill that for me tremendously. Um, it's been a phenomenal tool for my own confidence and insecurities that I suffer from and, and deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, but it's, it's one of those situations that it just doesn't get any more real than that uh, for me, right? Um, there's obviously really uh, uh, interesting activities out there that other folks choose to, to test themselves with big wave surfing, with jumping out of planes, with, you know, all, all types of just interesting, interesting um you know, what most would call crazy activities, just like they do with the sport of martial arts and, and, and mixed martial arts. But uh, I, I don't see it as violence more than I see it uh, as, uh, as, as art in a way to express and expose. Uh, Tarek, as I said, um, the, the book is made up of a series of case studies. I broke up the, the Tulsi Gabbard uh, section, the Jake Shields one, the Jade York. Is there one in particular that's your favorite? Is there um, an example in the book that somehow captures the spirit of conquering the disease of fear? Might it be, for example, uh, the one on uh, Marshall Lynch? Uh, I I enjoyed that section quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Marshawn uh, obviously is is just one of the best human beings uh, on the planet, one of my favorite people in the world and someone I I chose and swore as 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 a brother. Um, you know, his intentions of why he does what he does and how he does it is probably one of the most inspiring, um, you know, one of the most inspiring stories ever, but also understanding the responsibility of what comes with that is always a really heavy burden, uh, to carry as an individual, as such public figure and such public, um, capabilities as he has, uh, his story is obviously one of the most inspiring, uh, to me personally on a day-to-day basis. Every time I feel sorry for myself, I start to think about him and how much weight is on his shoulder, how much weight is on Jed York's shoulders, how much weight is on a lot of my friends' shoulders that are in my book. Um, the, the, the book overall and the individuals I've chosen that book are all world champions in their worlds and, 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 and their sectors. So they're all really inspiring. Uh, hence why I put them, um, and, 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 and share their stories of, how many different ways there are and how many different ways people actually define what fear is and how many different ways people deal with fear. Let's end, um, Tarek, with Afghanistan. We began with that. We had um, Gus Frank Biggio on the show recently, a man on the ground, a a member of the U.S. uh, Army, the Wolves of Helmand. Also, uh, earlier this week, I had um, Brad Taylor on the show New York Times best-selling uh, writer, fiction writer, or, um, also uh, an experienced military officer, and he wrote uh, "The Rapid Fall of Kabul Tore a, a Hole in My Heart." He's a, a a great fan of Afghanistan and its culture. What would you like to see happen there, given uh, the U.S. retreat, for better or worse? How can we fix, not we, but how can Afghanistan fix itself? Could the people of Afghanistan, for example, read your book, Empower, Conquering the Disease of Fear? Of course they will. And, and they're very proud of it, actually. And I, in, from the communities I'm associated with there, 
Um, I think Afghanistan needs to give, be given a chance to grow. Uh, I think the expectations from the greater world is really interesting to me. Um, you know, obviously having running water and electricity and peace and 911 and, and, and all these amazing assets to be a sustainable, safe country and uh, to have the expectations of a place like Afghanistan to flip and be like that overnight is, is mind blowing to me. Afghanistan has to go through what it's going through right now in order to establish uh, itself as a 21st century government uh, as well as nation. So I think Afghanistan just needs time to grow, just like anything does that gets destroyed and shattered by the interests of the rest of the world. Well, there you have it. Wisdom from Tarek Azim on, uh, on Afghanistan. Here he is again with his father. Uh, his new book, uh, Empower, Conquering the Disease of Fear, is just out. He wrote it with Seth Davis, another very well-known sports writer. I think it's a really interesting book, a really interesting take on fear and overcoming it and his uh his his life is also very inspirational Tarek in addition to your new book what else should people be reading in these strange times these anxious times what can help us in addition to your book overcome our fear I'm reading a book from David uh, Fromkin called um, uh, a, a peace to end all peace mm. uh it really helps with perspective uh with what's going on in the world especially on the Afghanistan side and, you know, it's about the fall of the Ottoman Empire and the, and the creation of the, of, the, of the modern Middle East. Uh, it's been a fantastic read. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, it's also a New York Times bestseller. So I'd highly recommend it if you want to understand perspective and psychology of what's happening in that region. So it puts into context our times. Maybe they're not quite as extraordinary as some of us imagine. Right. Well, Tarek Azim, real honor to have you on the show. Good luck with the book and with all your other endeavors. Um, I think anyone who's anxious needs to read uh, uh, Tarek Azim's new book, Empower. Thanks again. Thank you for having me.